Greg and Josh are not paid critics. They are not experts, nor do they claim to be. They are just two nerds that love to talk about internet shows. However, they're still going to tell you about what they think. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of All Queued Up. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of All Queued Up. I'm your host, Greg Dietz. With me always is Josh Fisher. How you doing, buddy? Oh man, I'm tired. I've had a, had a long couple of days that didn't quite go as planned, and it was hotter than... Uh, Hotter than the nutsack of an African lion in the savannah uh, the past two days. It's a hell of a description right there. Well, you know, it gets really hot in the savannah over in Africa, and that's where the lions well, are, right? I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware that it's an accurate description. It's less of an accurate... It's less that it's an accurate description and more of a not expected description. Well, what can I say, man? It's hotter than balls. Well, it's yeah. I guess hotter than balls is a pretty, a pretty, pretty normal saying that people just yeah, yeah. I just and it's a weird took one. hotter than balls and put a spin on it. Uh, yeah, yeah, hundred plus degrees the past two days, and with eighty five percent humidity, and like you know, hundred and ten heat index. Ugh. you know, we're used to getting about ninety to ninety five in the summertime here. So right. It's past two days have been unbearable, and it just so happened to be. Two days in a row that I've had appointments that have caused me to leave the house for at least six hours at a time, and today was nine hours, and it was even hotter today, and I'm just drained uh, at this point. Yeah, I don't blame you. I, uh, it's, it's been, not, I want to say hard, but it's definitely been a situation for me the past couple of days that, um, not the past couple of days, but the last week. Sorry, last week it was really it was really fucking hot in California here. Uh I think this weekend it was 105 was Saturday and 104 was Friday. And then it was like 98 on Sunday. Um but the past 2 days it's actually been in the 80s. I don't know how the fuck it went uh, from 100 hundreds to 80s, but today it's dude, in the, today it was 92. It was it was only supposed to be like ninety two yesterday and ninety four today, and it was a hundred and a hundred and one, respectively. So, yeah. um, well, it's the hot as fuck, hell. guys, and uh, it can yes. take it can take it out of you. It really can. Uh, but if you guys are new to the podcast, we don't talk about the weather normally. Yeah, yeah, but one thing, man, as an amputee, when I have my leg on. What holds it on is, you know, it, it sits in an acrylic socket, but I have to wear a rubber gel liner, similar to like a wetsuit. Oh my god! Oh, you put your butt down and fucking gross me out. Then I have, then I have another one on the actual prosthesis that has to roll up over the socket and onto my leg and rest up against at least two inches of skin to have a firm grip. Dude, it gets so hot with that thing on. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, when you take, when I took, take my leg off at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's moist. Um, moist. Oh, my God. Well, we just lost every viewer. 
We're never. We're, this podcast is never going to succeed. Now, appreciate that. What never. because of said moist? <laughs> no, it's not because you said moist. It's how you said it. Like your goddamn serial killer. Speaking of serial killers, guys, um, one of the shows we're going to talk about today is uh, Mindhunter season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other, but the show we're going to talk about first is Glow season three. Almost said season two. Hmm. Um, and again, I, uh, if you're new to the show, I, if you're still here, congratulations. Um, but what Josh and I normally do on this show is we talk about two shows in their entirety on an internet streaming platform, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, uh, YouTube Premium, what have you. And uh, we give our thoughts and impressions in this and then a grade at the end. Uh, it's a good time. It's fun. Uh, generally speaking, uh, we started the show t- because I was like, I want to talk about shows with a friend. Uh, but it's become more than that for us now. Uh, we're not just, you know, reviewing things for our sake. We're reviewing them for you guys because we've actually had a few people tell us that thanks to the podcast, they can avoid shows. <laughs> Which is really and nice. And also, thanks to it, they've, you know, given things they normally wouldn't have a chance and turned out they really, really enjoyed it. So, uh, Yeah, there was a couple people with, um, uh, what was the name of that sci-fi show that we reviewed that we really liked? Um, they're making Altered a season Carbon. two. Altered Carbon. Yeah, there was a couple people who had no interest in Altered Carbon, but checked it out per hour review. Yeah, yeah, that that's one of the main ones. That that one in Dark. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgot that people watch Dark because of us. I mean, but not th- a ton there, of people. There, yeah, yeah, we're gonna say maybe twenty people tuned into Dark because of us. But you that know. makes us that that do that like. We could never make a dime off this show, and that makes us happy as fuck. Like honestly, the fact that you guys appreciate Enjoyed our opinions. Our recommendation or our opinion, you know, enough to check out a show and really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, time's precious, and some of these are real quality shows. And I, I've heard that argument. Oh, Netflix doesn't have shit. Netflix is in trouble because of Disney. Netflix ain't in trouble, and they've got a lot of great content. So. Yeah, yeah, and and besides, like, if anyone's in in trouble, it would be Hulu. Not that they are, because no, sh- not now. Um, no, I, I I firmly believe that like when Disney Plus comes out, and the fact that they're teaming up with you know Hulu and and uh, ESPN, and like it's a one and thing, but one one package for all three of them. Yeah. Um, that's that's great competition for for Netflix to really fucking step up their game. So. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, Hulu's not in any trouble because Disney is a 60% owner now. Right. So what Foggy ha- or Bob Iger, sorry, has said, uh, all family programming will be on the Disney Plus service and all R-rated content will be on Hulu service. Yeah, like last week And we that's talked- why they're offering the bundle of twelve ninety nine for the those two packages with ESPN Plus. As a bonus, which is honestly a no-brainer for me, I'm I'm absolutely getting that package. Like I, that's absolutely done. And done. Um, I mean, it's only going to up my Hulu bill like six dollars because that's what I'm I'm paying seven for it now a month. I was to say if you buy if you just get Disney Premium or Disney Plus as it is, it's six dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Seven. Is it seven? I thought it was six dollars. It's six ninety nine. Yep. Um, but yeah, like it's just I, I I'm excited. I know that everyone else is excited. Dude, I know that we had the uh, 
Mandalorian. Oh my god, I can't wait. Yeah, that's supposed to be on on Amazon. Or that's supposed to be on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it will be on Disney Plus. It's going to okay. be like a family. You know, but I hope the first that we live get live action f- Star Wars show. Man, I'm I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, I hope we get a fucking uh, uh, a more adult themed Star Wars show on Hulu. Because I know that we're getting we're getting uh, four shows on Hulu from Marvel, so it's not yeah. out of the realm possibility they could do it with Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But Star Wars has traditionally been more for everybody and not just adults. I mean, at its core, it's for kids. I'm not disagreeing yeah, with yeah. that, but but I would argue that but there are always been stories. enough. There's always been enough meat on the bone for adults to enjoy as well. Yes. Anyway, we should get to the shows. Yeah, yeah. My bad. Uh, you're all right. I just wanted to wanted to move it forward. Um, so first show we're going to talk about Glow season three. Now, from what I understand, they want this show to go on one more season or two more seasons. Uh, at least one more. At least one more. That's what I thought I read. Um, and it's popular enough to the point where I don't think Netflix is going to cancel it. Then again, boy, have we been wrong. Um, oh, we have, (laughs) but for the people who haven't watched glow at all, first and foremost, we're talking about season three. So there's going to be spoilers for season one and two, just FYI. Um, we, we covered season one and two pretty, uh, at a pretty good length last year. Right, right. So. Uh, my my reasoning is that if you haven't watched the show, go watch it, first off. Secondly, spoilers. We're going to talk spoilers. Um, we kind of have to. It's, there's, you know, <laughs> we just have to. Uh, the second thing I want to bring up about the show. Um, uh, there's going to be a couple things in the show that I, I don't, mm, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe there are some themes that you might not agree with. I don't know. We'll see. But I don't think it's too bad, personally. No, no. Not like when we get to Mindhunter. Huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, so let's let's get right into it. Josh, if you'd like to give a synopsis for Season 3, please, sir, thanks. Well, Season 3 of Glow, it picks up uh, in Vegas. Uh, if you recall, at the end of Season 2, the TV studio didn't want to fund GLOW anymore, which stands for the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Uh, But there happened to be a producer in the audience who owned a casino. And he's like, you know what? Why don't you become a Vegas show? And run shows every night, a week. So they went to Vegas. And it opens up January of 1986. And they're getting ready to have their first show in Vegas, and they're all excited. And yeah, that's 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 where the show picks up, and it spans over a year. This season does. I would I would argue that as it does span over a year, there is a huge time gap. There is. Um, there really is. And I think because of this months? time. I think because of this time gap, I think this this season suffered. Oh, interesting. Okay, we'll get to that for sure. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it's the time gap, 
why I think the season suffered, but uh, no, not not necessarily because it was a time gap, because they were trying to tell so many stories this season over such a time period that they well, they they didn't have like one main direction they seemed to be going so, in. So one of the things is that I thought was interesting was my mom watches the show. We actually watched season one and two together. We couldn't watch season three together because our schedules just didn't line up this year. But um, I was like, I have to watch it quickly. And she's like, I want to watch it slowly. I'm like, well, then we're not watching it together. Um, but when she finished it, we had a discussion, a brief discussion about how this show didn't feel like the other two. Seasons. No, it didn't. And Absolutely. I had pointed out. I had pointed out that the biggest reason, the biggest reason this this season didn't feel like the other two is that the entire setting had changed. Yeah, uh, yeah. Literally and, that's a and fair point. Um they they completely concentrated on a, a different type of struggle for the girls. More of a melodramatic struggle than like uh, a survival struggle. Yeah. Like they didn't seem to be like they didn't seem to be struggling to survive in Las Vegas as more they were just having individual issues. And there were a few things that felt shoehorned in. Like, I can't, I'm terrible with names, as you guys have probably come to understand at this point. But the, uh, the, the black woman that was trying to get pregnant, or she didn't want to get pregnant eventually and then got addicted to gambling. Oh, um, Cherry. Cherry. Cherry, thank you. Cherry's whole gambling addiction part completely felt shoehorned in. It felt completely out of place to me, and not it did not make sense to her character growth at all. Well, I think the reason she was doing it was because that she decided she didn't want a baby, and her husband just up and left, and he went back home to L.A., and she did the gambling as a coping mechanism. Well, no, I but get that. But it wasn't illustrated well. That's my point. Like... She had never exhibited any other time in the show where she was, she had an addiction issue or that she could have gotten addicted to, to, to gambling. She always seemed to be a rock to everybody else mm -hmm. and to completely make, like, completely break her down to that point seemed so unnecessary. Like, yes, she needed to be broken down slightly because he left because she claimed she didn't want a baby after they've been trying for so long. And, she needed to have that break moment, and that's fine, but the the addiction to debt of gambling just felt, felt so bad. I think it would have been maybe better if... It did feel a little forced. It felt really forced. I think that the gambling part isn't necessarily bad. It's the fact that she went into debt that's bad. And then they resolve it in the same episode, like, oh, well, you and... You and Makapichu... Carmen, you guys are going to go mud wrestle for the money. I'm like, okay, that was dumb. Uh, another, Sorry, it is, is dumb. it is dumb. Another really dumb subplot was uh, this weird love tension relationship between Sam and uh, Al Allison's character. Uh, I can't remember her name suddenly. Not suddenly. The main Ruth, the main Ruth, character yes. of the show. The, the, the sexual tension between, uh, love sexual tension between Ruth and Sam was, felt so needless and strange because. I don't know, man. I think it was there before. I think it was there in season one. It was definitely present in season two. 
I see. I don't. I don't. I, I disagree. I wholeheartedly disagree. Really? Oh yeah. I never thought for a second that. I never thought for a second that that Sam had an attraction to her in that fashion, or that Ruth had an oh, attraction to Sam oh, in that fashion. Dude, never really? once thought that. Yeah, the second that it came Are out you, like that, have, I was like, "Do you have? Do you have eyeballs?" Uh, um, but yeah, yeah, man. I'm just saying it was really obvious. Late it was, in it season, was not to, me. It, it, to me and Misty both, it was especially late in season one. When they started working together a lot, and he was seeing how she pulled shit off, and heavily in season two, um, um, if if she hadn't have been dating that dude, see, Russell, the, what, it never came off as a sexual tension or a love tension thing to me. It came off as more like a father figure situation because of the no, age difference was so drastic. It no, always came off as he was protecting at- her. You look at scenes, and yeah, he's protecting her, all right, but he is absolutely in love with her. And boom, very first episode, he confesses to her that he is in love with her. And I was just like, holy shit, they went ahead and did it that early? I figured I really it would play like out it. for a little bit. Yeah, I didn't like it, man. I don't know what to say. Like, I wasn't a big fan of it. And and it also, tell that note, Josh, like, it, it, it seems such a misnomer for the rest of the show. Because so many things that had happened after that situation didn't involve that scenario. It was like, I love you. I don't know about that. All right, bye. We're going to do our own things for like eight episodes and then come back for like a brief moment and then go away again. It was like, okay. Yeah, I didn't So you're like not exploring that. it? I didn't want that they didn't explore it. That's another I mean, reason I why like- I felt like it was shoehorned in. I like the fact that he and his daughter are having a great relationship and he's being supportive of her with her own thing. But the heart of the show to me has always been the relationship between him, between Ruth and Sam. I, I, no, I agree with that. I actually wholeheartedly agree with that. I think that their dynamic is really, really, really cool. And it's, it's what I said in the past seasons really drove the show. Um, however, again, and I have to emphasize this, I never saw a, a sexual tension or a love tension between them. I saw it a, a father protecting a daughter or a... No, dude, that's a dude he's pining like a puppy. Never and, saw that. Never oh, saw that once. I saw it plain as day. Wow. I guess we see what we always want to see, realistically. And that's another thing, dude. I I don't like that. I don't, I straight up don't enjoy that. I don't think that that to me is a good dynamic for these characters. I think that it's. I think it would make for some great viewing drama wise, but logistically, if they explored it more, more, yes, but logistically, no, no, never date in the workplace. And, 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 And that, I think that was explored with other characters in other situations. It uh, was uh, between, um, God, I, I remember them by the wrestler names. Um, <laughs> hold on. Uh, Arthie, who plays Beirut the Mad Bummer. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, the one that, uh, it's not Cherry. But 
the one Yolanda who took over this junk chain. That, that, that was the, you know, sexual tension and, you know, the, okay, the whole coming out angle, you know, like the one doesn't care if anybody knows and the other one's like, I don't want everybody to know, but everybody already knew. Uh, Yeah, that was. Yeah. I just, I don't know, man, like, and there were so many good things about the show, like, we're kind of dogging on parts of it right now, and and these are minor parts, like. These are the little points. Well, you know, I'm not saying the thing between Arcee and Yolanda was bad. I'm just saying. No, I'm saying that we're we're kind of discussing. in the workplace and, you know. Uh, I, I felt like you were using it as an example for the for yeah, that versus yeah. saying whether it was good or bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I was saying that because we're talking, we're, we we kind of been picking on on some of the bad stuff. So I want to kind of change shift gears here and talk about some of the good stuff. Gina um, Davis dressed up as a showgirl with the age she is. Holy shit! That character uh, outside of Gina Davis, the one that was on stage all the time, I can't remember his name. Uh, but he was a crossdresser, and every every scene with him was fantastic. Oh, Bobby Barnes. Bobby Barnes, yes. I fucking did. It was... He was entertaining. Yeah, yeah, that dude did a great job. I was very happy with that. Um, uh, but yeah, that, I, was, I, was, I was shocked to see Gina Davis in this season. That was cool. Yeah, but, uh, that was really cool. I, I really liked uh, Toby Huss's character. Toby Huss. Um, he played uh, J.J. McCready Tex, the one that uh, Debbie latched onto and that became oh! her boyfriend. Yes, 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 yes. So oh, she well, kept calling Tex. Yeah, even though he wasn't from Texas and, you know. From uh, Wyoming, I think. So. Yeah, he was, from, he was a rancher from Wyoming who was buying up, uh, you know, studios and other things like that. Yeah. And, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I always liked him because he did voice work on uh, King of the Hill, and he was also uh, he was also in that amazing, uh, amazing HBO series Carnival that came on back in the day. Yeah, I'd never watched that show, uh, mainly because of the whole it being it being on HBO part. But um, oh, you've never seen it? Uh. Uh-uh. <gasps> Every time there's like like a big HBO show, it has to be like huge, like Game of Thrones huge for me to watch it. Um, I think the only other like paid for TV in that fashion show that I watched back in the day and like went out of my way to watch was Dexter. Other than that, I like almost never get to watch those shows. But yeah, he was. It's he, a lot he, easier nowadays, but he voiced Khan Sufanusenfone and uh, actually uh, Hank's dad Cotton. I was gonna, I, you know what? There was a part of me that was like, I bet he fucking voice caught. There was a part of me that was screaming that. And I, How you doing, Hank? Hank's wife. Yeah, <laughs> 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 oh, my shins blowed off in the war. <laughs> you, how do you do an impression of every character in that show that well? Well, well I'll tell you what, ex- I don't know. It's it's. That's just comes natural to me, like sweet lady propane comes from the earth. Good, good gravy. Uh, <laughs> oh, so one of the biggest moments in the show, and it actually kind of brought tears to my eyes, was the camping episode. Oh, man, um, that that was a good episode. 
That was a very good episode. That was the most, I don't think that was the most character growth we had the whole season. It was. <laughs> uh, but the part that really fucking stuck out to me and, and kind of got me in the, the cockles, cockles of my heart, was, uh, um, I can't remember her name, but she's the girl who had to play co- Fortune Cookie. Oh, yeah, and Jenny. Jenny, yeah. And yeah. right before, right before they went on uh, this camping trip, they had one last show, and quote unquote, it's there's a whole plot point where they had to do more shows, but this was supposed to be the last show, and they were like, "Fuck it, let's go out in style," and everybody changed roles. This was also brought on by one of the women who had that she had major back issues. Yeah, um, because they weren't working just two or three shows a week; they were working every single night. And not every night. They had they had the weekend off, or they had two days off. Oh, did they? Yeah, because they kept saying, like, the weekend off is what they kept saying during the show, but I didn't think it was the actual weekend, because who the fuck takes the weekend off in Vegas? Yeah, yeah, it's probably more like a Sunday and Monday thing instead of a, or, I I don't know, they didn't really specify, but anyway. No, no, but they always had, they always had a quote-unquote weekend off, and. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's to me, the welfare queen. Uh, Kia right. Stevens, a.k.a. used to wrestle professionally as Awesome Kong in TNA, and huh. she actually went to the WWE uh, for two years back in 2010, uh, where she uh, was called Karma. Uh, I did was, not know that. Yeah, she was known as Amazing Kong in uh, Japan. But That's yeah, cool. man, she, she, she was... Uh, yeah, she fucked up her back real bad, and she kept pushing it and pushing it. She was just like, one more show, two more shows, yada, yada, yada. And so the last show, she wanted to she wanted to play one of the old biddies, one of the old old lady characters that has a walker. Yeah, so she didn't a, have to take <clears throat> she didn't have to take bumps that hard, or she didn't have to do that much wrestling, because that was the whole point of those characters. They were meant to look like old ladies. Um, when she said that, everyone else was like, yeah, I want to play this character, I want to play this character. So they started changing. They roll-swapped. Um, they roll-swapped. And, so, uh, uh, yeah, Bruce, Ruth plays Liberty Bell, and Debbie turns around and plays Zoya. Uh, so they totally switched. It. But in the process of this, the one of the women, I can't remember what role she played pre- previously, but she's the best friend of Jenny, and oh, she comes out as Mel- fortune cookie. Melrose. She's Melrose. just the, the Party Valley girl. You know, her real name mm. is Melanie Rosen. That's right. And she just combined it into Melrose, and that's the only name she went by. She, uh, yeah, so she comes out as, as Fortune Cookie doing a very racist accent. Very uh, horribly racist, a very terrible Asian accent. Yeah, and it was extremely offensive to Jenny. Um, to the point when they went camping, Jenny refused to talk to her, refused to interact with her at all. Um, later in the episode, they're having a campfire and it's revealed that how Jenny came to this country and a lot of her relatives and friends died on the boat on the way here. Um, it's exceptionally sad and, and, and it was, it was, uh, after the, uh, the Korean war or yes, it had to be. Well, yeah, it'd have to be or Vietnam, one or the other. Well, Korean War yeah, took. Yeah, it'd have to be Vietnam. I think she's Vietnamese, and if she isn't, I'm terribly sorry. 
Yeah, it's it's it's. She doesn't specify, or she might specify it. I just don't remember. Oh my but. god! I just realized who she is. Who? What do you mean? She played Knives Chow in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Holy shit! Yeah. She wow. is uh she is actually Canadian, but she has uh her uh parents are Chinese Cambodian and they fled to Canada during the Cambodian genocide. And that was in the mid seventies. So I bet that's the one she was talking Yeah, because she was talking about the Khmer Rouge in that scene. And Holy Pol Pot. Shit. That's exactly what so they actually wrote her actual True she was life. probably pulling from some real shit. That, she was definitely pulling some, from real shit. No wonder that scene was so powerful. I mean, it made me cry, like legitimately. Like I was like, "This is this this is fucking exceptionally sad." Holy crap, dude! That's in, that's intense. I love when we do this on this show because it really fucking expresses our uh, <laughs> shock to certain things. I didn't God realize it, though that she was knives. Yeah, I didn't know that. Now, I didn't pick up on now, that. But she yeah, that, was, you she say was, that, she my... She herself was born in 84. So, her parents actually fled uh, Cambodia during that time. But I'm sure she had heard the stories from her yeah, parents well, that's... and pulled on those real-life experiences of her parents into her character. But Yeah, because this that's... show takes place when she was like three. <laughs> Well, at 86, so she would have been two years old, three years old, yeah. I thought it was 87, because that was the opening bit, was the Challenger explosion. That was, was January uh, 28th of 1986, sir. Are you sure? I thought I read 87. No, it is 86, my bad. I'm 100% sure of that date. My bad, my bad. You're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, the reason I know you're right is because I talked to my dad about it, as we were discussing the Challenger explosion where he was. By the way. The very opening scene of this show is fucking hysterical. Um, not because of not because of the Challenger explosion, but because of the scenario in which they use the Challenger explosion. Um, if Ruth you are, is in her Russian character Zoya, and Debbie is in her Liberty Bell All American Girl character, and they're you know, work they're doing an interview and they're trying to stay in character, so. It's the day of the Challenger launch, and it was a really big deal because this was the 25th shuttle mission to launch. It was also the first civilian, uh, the teacher, Krista McAuliffe, going up. I mean, this was being viewed as a big deal, and it was being broadcast live everywhere. Right, and uh, the way that they brilliantly shot it was they didn't show the Challenger explosion because you should have picked up if 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 anything, you should have picked up that the Challenger explosion was going to be a thing. Oh, they they Just, showed they showed the launch and they showed the explosion. Hold on, they didn't show the what? exact moment of the explosion. They showed the, that's my point. That's yeah. my point. They didn't they didn't need to because you as the audience member should have already seen that coming. And so what they did instead was they had uh, <laughs> they had uh, uh, Ruth as as Zoya. Zoya yeah. Doing her character and talking poorly, talking bad about America as the Challenger explosion is happening on TV, and all you watch, all you're watching is 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 Zoya sitting next to Liberty Bell doing their thing, and then 
Yeah. Bell's face starts to slowly change to horror. <laughs> yeah, and she's not even looking at the TV, and she's like, you Americans, you think you're so special. You think you're heroes just because you put seven people up into space. We put the first person in space. Russia, superior country. You know, that shit like that. You know, and it's not verbatim. It's just kind of a rough outline of what she was saying. And then you see Debbie, she's like, Ruth, Ruth. Ruth, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then so she sees fun. it, and she's like, um, we need a cut. <laughs> and it was yeah, like live TV. It was terrible. Oh, man. But, I mean, yeah, they, they used that tragedy in a an amusing way to really set the tone for that episode. And Yeah, like, the rest of the episode was a little bit more dramatic and less because it was they they were like like uh she felt exception Ruth felt so fucking bad mm-hmm. and everyone's trying to console her and say it's not that big of a deal and she's like no it is a big deal it's a huge deal like I talked bad about America as astronauts died on TV uh but the the reason I bring up that that scene overall is that uh it, it's just expertly it's expertly shown. It's really fucking fun. And so it was like that scene and the fucking camp episode were by far the best parts of the season. Yeah. Um, I think this season suffered. Um, you know, from the, the the ways that they chose to go with their storytelling. I mean... It, was, it definitely wasn't as good as, as the other two seasons. No, no, but, but we, this wasn't a bad season by any means. We've been talking about this for a hot minute, so why don't we go ahead and... Well, I will uh, go first. I think uh, this season's still, it's still an enjoyable show, and it was still a relatively mostly enjoyable season. Uh, I think it suffered because of too many plots going in too many different directions. Uh, The change of scenery hurt. I get what they were trying to go for. I just don't think they executed it well. Um, Sam not being present. With all the women, and especially the Ruth and Sam dynamic being lost for a majority of the season, was the biggest blow, I think. Um, but we did get a lot of character growth, though, from a lot of the women this season that we hadn't previously seen, such as Sheila breaking out of her She-Wolf persona and actually pursuing legitimate acting, uh, studying to become an actor. You know, and like the relationship with Rhonda and Bash, how she was just a green card wife and they've actually grown to care for each other. But they had that interesting moment that put a strain on everything later in the season. Um, With the uh, plumber, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, this season's still good. Uh, it wasn't season one and season two A good. This is more of a B, lower B scale, not quite a B minus, but not a strong B, kind of a weak B for me. Minus? Not quite, but skirting with it. Got it. it it's, a, it's a B, but it's not a solid B. It's It's a weak B. Um... All right, well, 
<laughs> a week B. Like uh it's Jerry Seinfeld in the B movie. It's it's lowercase. Gotcha. <laughs> Jesus. Uh I, I guess I, you know what? I kind of agree with you. Um it definitely it, it, it suffered, I think, quite a bit. I don't I don't think that the setting in Las Vegas was necessarily what made it bad? No. I think it was how it was written that it made it bad. Yeah, the writing because there were a was... lot of stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was really well done that I really enjoyed about them being in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, like Bear, like Bobby was fucking fantastic, mm-hmm. and you know there were a lot of moments that really shined with certain characters where they didn't shine before. Um, Absolutely, and I thought that was I thought that was great. But there was a lot of moments with new with characters where they had new problems, and I was like, that seemed unnecessary and shoehorned. Um, it seemed like they were they they kind of were struggling to get a story out to an extent. So I don't know. Um, yeah, it just it it wasn't bad. It's not like it's not it's not a waste of your time by any stretch of the imagination. But don't expect it to be like season one and two by any stretch. But it, it, it's just it's not. It's not. It's not like season one and two. Um, but yeah, I, I think a B is definitely a, a, a where I'm going to put it too. So there's that. All right, uh, guys, we're going uh, to... I, I do say, it was nice to see Carlito again as uh, Carmen's brother. Yes, yes, yes. He was in it very briefly, though. He wasn't in it for very long. Yeah, there were. I think he filmed. He definitely filmed more scenes because they were using him as a ref when Cherry's husband had left. Uh, but yeah, it, I, I would have liked to have seen him a little bit more. Yeah, there was less wrestling stuff in this in this show than there had been. Yeah, there was a lot less wrestling stuff in the show. I think that kind of um, hurt it too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, all right. Let's let's go ahead and move on to the next show. Um, since we are going long on this episode, are um, we? Yeah, yeah, well, not too too long, not terribly long, but um, you know, it happens. I just don't. I just don't want to pause in the center. I just want to move on. Uh, we are going to go on to Mind Hunter season two. So before we started the show, and I thought this was fascinating, and we'll, we'll maybe break into it a little bit. And I want to say before I forget it, uh, the the creator of this show, the writer slash director, whatever, he said that uh, which I, he's famous, and I don't remember his goddamn name for the life of me. Joe um, No, that's the show creator. Okay, maybe not the show creator. It's. Somebody involved with it that has a a storied history when it comes to filmmaking and stuff like that. But he said that um, he wants the show to go at least three more seasons. Oh, David Fincher? Which is David Fincher. That's what I was trying to think well, of. He's, he's like the main director. Okay. He is the executive producer, and he has directed a few of the episodes as well. Yeah, he said that. He was like, if if I have my way, this show's going at least three more seasons. And I'm very excited for that, because, <laughs> um, well, serial killers are a thing for a long time beyond the 80s, so. And, uh, you know, they focused on some new ones this season. The, the main one. The main season serial killer. Uh, 
is an absolutely fascinating take. So before we get into that, we should probably do a quick synopsis for anyone who hasn't watched the show. All right. Uh, again, again, we are talking about season two, so season one spoilers ahead. Just FYI. But yeah, Josh, if you love, if you give the lovely people a synopsis, please and thanks. Yeah. Well, Mindhunter. Uh, it was a book. Uh, it was called Mindhunter Inside the FBI's Elite Serial Crime Unit, written by real-life special agents John E. Douglas and Mark Olshacker. Now, the character, the main characters of Holden Ford and Bill Tench are based on Douglas and Olshacker, respectively. And it was Olshacker that coined the term serial killer back in the 70s. But it was uh, Douglas's techniques that developed FBI profiling of serial killers in the behavioral science unit. That's what this show focuses on, how that all came about in the 70s and how it started becoming part of their practice in these terrible uh, cases that they had to work. And season one was great. Oh boy, season two. Oh, I can't wait for season three. This this season That's did not it. disappoint at all. The the issue is that it has not been renewed yet for season three. Yeah, so but it did. I mean, it just likely came out like Friday. So you know, at true. the time of recording, and, and, it's only been out five days, and it's rare for them to say within the first two weeks. Yeah, we're renewing it for another season. I mean, technically, they've not renewed Stranger Things for season four yet, but we know it's coming. True. I'm just stating it. Yeah, I'm stating. Yeah. I'm stating a fact. Yeah. Um. But yeah, though this season is is fucking fantastic. Mm -hmm. I will say before we get into all the good stuff because there's a lot of good in this show. Mm -hmm. I do not care about. Um. I can't remember her name, but she's the one who has the relationship with the bartender. Mm -hmm. Holy shit! Was that boring? Yeah, Wendy. Wendy is not Wendy. an interesting character, and she never has been. Uh, you know, she is a psychology professor that was introduced in the second or third episode of season one. She uh, she took a job. She was a professor for Boston University. She left Boston University to come and work in the BSU to specifically work the case profiles. But she's not a very interesting character. Not at all, and. And her entire like storyline about her relationship with this bartender and the in and outs of it. I, I just like I would, I would look she, away, I look at my phone. How she hides her sexuality in her workplace. And, it know, was bad. It, and it wasn't a good. Yeah, those those scenes, those scenes. I get it. I get what they're going for, but I think, like in season one. The relationship stuff between Holden and his girlfriend in season one, uh, Debbie, that was the weak link of season one, and I think right, I think right. season two's weak link was the relationship with Wendy and Kay, the uh, female bartender that she met and picked up. Now I have to I have to exemplify this, and I cannot stress this enough. This is the only bad thing about season two. <laughs> it really, really is. <laughs> I mean, um, season, a big thing, and it's a big subplot, actually. In season one, you learn that Bill 
has an adopted son. They adopted him when he was three, and he was six at the time. And when this season starts, he's like seven years old. Um, and it opens up, the opening scene, it opens up with Bill and his wife Nancy and their son Brian in Sunday church service. And, you know, Brian is autistic. They don't call it autistic in the show, but he is clearly autistic. Uh, he is definitely on that spectrum somewhere. But, you know, of course, they didn't have a name for it back then in 79 um, that I'm aware of. But it's it's a, a major thing revolves around him. Uh, that requires Bill to basically, he's had a string put on his marriage this season, which was relationship story told well, because between, you know, the cases that they're having to solve and his responsibilities at work and his responsibilities at, at home as a husband and father, he was losing sleep, he's, you know, and... Honestly, I think his wife's being a little unfair, but that's just my biased opinion. Um, True, but I think that ad, that definitely seemed realistic to me that she, because I've seen that in real relationships. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But when you have that type of job, I mean, part you you, you have to have that agreement. It's like sometimes my job is going to take me away. You know, you got to be in it for the long haul. You know, and, uh, and this is, you know, a lot of people can't make things like that work. And that's, that struggle is a fascinating storytelling aspect to me. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. This season, um, though, was better than season one. It definitely was more intriguing by a long fucking shot. It was... I wish... Oh, boy, was it fascinating. I mean, I loved Cameron Britton in season one as Ed Kemper. And I, I didn't get enough of him, I we, feel like. We only got him in one scene this season. We really, yeah. And it was a great fucking scene. Um, But, man, we got him in a lot of scenes in season one. But, really... I, I, will, I, will, argue that, I will argue that the best thing about that scene... Was the portrayal of uh, why well, can't I think of his name suddenly? Fucking crazy ass dude! Ah, mm -hmm. uh, god damn it! Oh, the scene immediately following. Yeah, why can't I remember his name? What the hell! So what Greg is trying to realize is that he can't remember names, and even the most infamous, notorious criminal behind bars probably in the 20th and 21st century. I have his fucking face in my head. I Well, he's he's technically not a killer. I didn't say he was a killer. I said criminal. Oh, criminal. Gotcha. I thought you said killer. No, uh, um, he's one of the most infamous, infamous criminals in the... in. Oh, fuck, there's his name. Jesus Christ. It was no, like no, his name's Charles Manson, not Jesus Christ. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, well, Dude. I mean, some people did see him as Jesus Christ, but there's that. Damon so. Harriman played Charles Manson. And Damon I... Harriman, I love that guy. Uh, if you've ever, you if you've ever watched um, Justified, that was on FX with, with uh, 
Pat, uh, Timothy Olyphant and uh, Walton Goggins. Damon Harriman was on that show. He played Dewey Crow. Well, Damon Harriman is—he's a fascinating and outstanding actor because not only is his Charles Manson so good. I mean, I've seen interviews of Charles Manson before. He's nailed Charles Manson's speech patterns, his cadence. He does, oh yeah, he as as well as Cameron Britton does Ed Kemper. Damon Harriman does Charles Manson. In fact, he did it so well. He also played Charles Manson in Quentin Tarantino's new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Now there's going to be people out there that are going to try to, like, is Mindhunter and Quentin Tarantino's movies in the same universe? Burp, burp, burp. No, they're not. You just got the same actor playing the same character. <laughs> that's it. Um, I mean, they could be. On that note. They could on be. That because note, at this point, you know, when they interview Manson, he'd already been locked up 10 years. Something that this show does expertly that we've already seen now multiple times is the serial killers in this show are real. Yes. They're real people that existed at certain points or still exist to this day and are in jail. Um, Manson. Due to footage, due to footage, these actors have excellent resource. And I don't know how they do it. I don't know how the fucking casting directors get it done. But holy shit. Even the guy who's like, quote unquote, the main villain of the season. Yeah. Nailed him. Oh, God. Nailed him. Yeah. Yeah. It is insane. Like, I watched an interview with him because he he, in jail after the season was over, and I was just like, holy shit. Yeah, man. Holy shit. Like, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm impressed. Constantly fucking impressed with this show. Constantly impressed with the actors. Like, I, I can't say good enough stuff about Dude, how. Dude, the guy that played David Berkowitz this season. Oh, my God. I thought they really got David Berkowitz. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, he looks. I mean, Harriman and he looks really close with uh, the makeup job, the hair, and the beard. And his mannerism, you know, he looks really close to Manson. Eerily close. And, you know, Cameron Britton, his cadence and speech, body language, very eerily similar to Ed Kemper. But he is shorter and he's stockier. But, dude, this dude, uh, Oliver Cooper, played David Berkowitz. It's like, are they twins? Holy shit. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's, I think, the thing that's so, in a sense, unnerving about how well they they made this show is that uh, every single actor that has to play one of these real-life serial killers um, does such a good job that you are convinced that they are psychopaths. Mm-hmm. And... Something this show also does that I think is absolutely fascinating is, and, and, and it, it, it needs to do this because that's the whole point of the book. That's the whole point of the fucking task force that was brought together for this thing is studying the psychology of them. And as a watcher of the show, watching that psychology unfold. Oh man. Watching these, watching these, these psychopaths kind of dictate how they would do these horrific acts. I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense that these people would want to just talk about it. Mm-hmm. 
And oh, I, man, I love so I love that one line from Cameron Britton uh, in season one. Uh, when Holden says to Kemper, he's like, well, you know, everything we learned about serial killers, you know, we, you know, then it should be going this way. It doesn't make sense. And he's like, well, Holden, I'm no expert, but it seems like everything learned from serial killers are from the ones that have been caught. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, that's so chilling. Uh, it's just so it's fucking brilliant it's so brilliant i fuck dude but the, but this show also chose to me it chose a very uh smart case to use i guess it's true though like it actually happened kind of this way but to focus on this one i thought was very smart because this was one that got away technically um oh are you talking about the atlanta child murders and from 79 to 81? Because he was that guy, Wayne, was never prosecuted for any child murders. No, no. I, actually, and to this day, they're still... Well, to this day, they have still... None of the 26 children out of those 28 murders, nobody's been prosecuted for a single one of them. And one, or one of the children's bodies were never found. Now, right. however, I was reading a headline yesterday, reading an article yesterday, they are going to bring DNA evidence into it, and they're going to reopen the investigation. Because they did mention in the show that 14 of the bodies had fibers consistent with the fibers in the carpet in his home. Uh, I mean, it's likely that he killed some of them. I just yeah, don't believe I don't that think he killed he, all of them. I don't think he did all of them either. I think it was he definitely did some of them. And the KKK was doing it. I think yeah, the KKK I was, say, was, I was taking it. advantage of these kids going missing and also doing it too. I think it was split. Yep, I wholeheartedly agree. And 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 the the people in the show who uh, who were getting after Holden had every right to yell at him. Um, I I, I sided getting, with was, them so strongly. He was getting a little cocky. Absolutely, he, but I think that's good because. That shows that he's a character. <laughs> shows yeah. that he's fallible. Yeah. Um, I dude, it was so fucking compelling. Like I talk about, I've talked about this before on the show that I'll watch these shows while I'm playing video games at the same time, and there are there are legit moments in some shows that are so good and so well structured and written that I have to stop playing. And I I I would say about twenty percent of the show I was playing video games and watching. The rest I paused and just watched the show. Um, that should be an indicator of how well how, how well done it is. Uh, I I can't I can't imagine this show with any other people working on it. Like if suddenly David Fincher can't direct or the writers like back out, this show is going to suffer. So I significantly believe that. Because it shows to me that these people actually care about the, 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 the product being made. And they want it to be as compelling and realistic as possible. Uh, they want things to be chilling. And they absolutely um, are. Oh my god, are they ever. Uh, uh, and one of, the, one of the recurring things that has happened in both season one and all throughout season two 
is Dennis Rader. The guy in Kansas that you see at either the beginning or end of every episode in season one, how that continues in season two. Yeah. Um, Dennis Rader, he started his murders in 1973, I think. He was known. According to Google here, it says 74. Okay. I could be wrong, but I'm saying between 74 and 91. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he was known as the Bind, Torture, Kill, BTK Strangler, and he had that little symbol that he always put on his letters. He, um, when when Bill goes out to Kansas early in season one, or season two, I think it's in the first episode, and they're like, let me show you what we got here. And it was the first time he was looking at one of the BTK killings. And it's like, you know, they haven't revealed on the show, but yeah, that's absolutely Dennis Rader. Uh, he didn't get caught until 2005. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He was president on his church's council and a Cub Scout unit leader. Do you think, do you think each season is just showing these bits so that way the last season is about him or the last bit that, of the last season's about that's him? That's what I would like to see. Okay. That's what I would like to see, see them working up to finally catching him. You know how he got caught? That case had been cold. <laughs> right. He began a series of communications to local media that led directly to his arrest. The the Wichita newspaper got a letter from somebody using the return address of Bill Thomas Kilman. And the author of the letter claimed that he had murdered uh, one of the victims in 86 and enclosed photographs of the crime scene and a photocopy of her driver's license, which he had taken. And he started doing these things. Well, he actually asked in his writing if put on a floppy disk if his writings were put on a floppy disk could it be traced or not the police answered his question in the newspaper ad saying oh no you can use a floppy disk there's no way we can trace you so he sent in a purple Memorex floppy disk to the Fox TV affiliate and what he did not realize was oh it's embedded uh, they found the metadata embedded in a deleted Microsoft Word document uh, that was still stored on the floppy disk, and that's how they found him. That's incredible. It, it was it was because it, be, it became it it came from the Christ Lutheran Church where he was the uh, like head of the church, and last modified by Dennis. And then they saw that a quick internet search Dennis Rader, president of the church council. And boom, they uh, crazy. His own arrogance led to his capture. If he had done that, he'd probably still be out today, and still be on a church council and leading a cub scout. Cub scout did. Yeah, I think it's it's just, it's nuts, dude. Like it, it's really crazy that these serial killers can be caught by such simple means. And I think Ed Kemper says it where he's just like, 
it just takes one thing for them to slip up. I don't. It might not have been Ed Kemper, but it was definitely somebody involved. And I always thought that was fascinating. That it really just do, it really does take just one little fuck up for them, and and they are uh, they're screwed. Um, well, he he definitely said, uh, "Oh, if your killer doesn't want to be caught, you're not going to catch him." You know, if they're smart and they're diligent, because they're going to get better each time, they're not going to get caught. The only reason he got caught is because he turned himself in, because he was growing bored with the hopes that they would pursue him, and they never thought of him as a suspect. He grew bored with it. That's why he turned himself in. Isn't it? Which is fucked up thing to yeah, think about. yeah well that's that's something that i've gleaned from this show with all with uh, the interviews that they've done with serial killers is that they want attention mm-hmm. a half of the reason they do it is because they feel neglected it's fucking fascinating i'm i'm uh, this show's awesome uh we should definitely move on though and give our final thoughts and grades um i guess i'll go first since you went first last time yeah uh this show, as season one, gets an A+. It is fucking fascinating to watch. Um, yes, the parts with the the other uh, FBI agent and, and her girlfriend, well, she's, lover. She's not technically an FBI agent, though. She's like a liaison. Oh, she's a consultant. She's a consultant, a liaison, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, her whole plot is boring, but it's definitely not such a big part of the show that it's that it ruins the show by any stretch of the imagination. So I, I fucking loved every second of it. It compelled me through and through. Um, I got really upset when I had to leave at a certain time because I was right in the middle of the whole scene with, uh, Charles Manson had to come back to it. Oh God. Uh, yeah. I was watching the clock going, come on, come on, come on. I was hoping for more time. It sucked, dude. Um, uh, but I was able to come back like an hour later and finish it. Um, but yeah, dude, like, oh my god, there's so many good things about this show. If you haven't watched it yet, please do. It is it is well worth your time. As long as you're okay with some of the shit the show shows. Like, it's rough. It's rough around the edges in terms of, of content. So yeah. be prepared for that, but it's, most, it's worth it. Most crime scene photos that they show, it's a quick flash. You don't see a lot. It doesn't focus and linger on it too much. So, you know, even even if you're a little squeamish about things like that, it's not done in a tasteless way. But it's an absolutely fascinating look into the minds of some of the most broken and fragile minds in our penitentiary systems. Um, and a fascinating look into how the practices... Uh, the psychological practices that are used came to be. Right. Uh, I, I, I love the fact that, you know, one of the killers they interviewed this season, um, the photo they showed of him loving the sweets uh, when when uh, Jim Barney offered him the Milo Cups. Yeah, the picture picture that he showed holding of his cell phone—that's an actual stock photo of that prisoner's cell with the actor digitally replacing the 
the killer. <laughs> that's itself. awesome. I thought they just set that picture up, but if that's like borderline that real, was it's... a legit photo with just uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Junior Pence, I think it was. Um, they they just took a real picture of him and put the actor in over top of it. So that was cool. Little details like that. Um, you know, it's, it's done in such a good way. I want a third season and beyond. This is a wonderful show. You know, it's been two years since the, almost two years since the first show, uh, first season came out. You know, I'll be happy if we get a season three in about two years time. I'm fine with that because quality, if you want quality content, be patient. Quality content can be delivered. It takes time to make quality content. Well, that's, that's what's so what great about show is. That's what's so great about about Netflix and and things like Netflix that they don't have to be on these extreme time restraints because realistically, exactly. realistically, even though uh, season three of Stranger Things costs a lot of money, it would have cost more money had they been forced to uh, push the show out faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like the same with most shows. Like, we kind of talk about this on, on the Mission Star podcast, where um, the these video game companies struggle to figure out how to budget on top of... Uh, they figure the Forced deadlines. Yeah, forced deadlines and stuff, and they spend an absurd amount of money in a short amount of time where they could stretch that same budget out to seven years and get a game out that's much better and finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, you know, Netflix and Amazon and, and YouTube kind of know that. So the, the freedom that they're giving these creators to make quality content is so, so welcome and satisfying. Yeah. Um, you, they're not, they're not, uh, restricted by, okay. Your show has to start airing in September, but it's got to wrap up by May. And then your new season has to be ready to go in September. You know, no, they're, like not, this... they're not beholden to that. They're like, okay, make us a show, get all of it done, deliver it to us, we'll distribute it. And then when you got another one ready, give it to us again, but take your time. You don't have to have it and ready to go in six months. That's the beauty of it, and uh, I like it. Uh, and, you know, as for season two of My Hunter, by the way, I'm going to give it an A+, plus because it was fucking wonderful. But Yeah, yeah I, 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 can't, I can't imagine anyone not giving this show an A+. Plus. I, can't, I, I mean, cannot imagine it. It's, it's really good. A friend of mine, she messaged me yesterday. She's like, I'm finally starting Mindhunter. I was like, season one or season two? She's like, season one. I'm a little behind. I was like, yeah, I've been telling you for two years you would love it. And then she messaged me today as I was leaving for one of my appointments. And she's like, I'm on episode six and I absolutely love this show. I was like, well, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. But yeah, man. Um She's actually one of the listeners, too. She actually won uh, our last giveaway that we had. Oh, nice. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, uh, really, uh, 
that's something that we're going to have to be doing pretty soon. The summer movie wager is coming to yep. a close. Yep, 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 yep. I was actually thinking about that today, grocery shopping. I was like, oh, shit, that's almost the end of, of August. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get on that uh, soon. It'll be it'll be uh, whatever. It'll, it'll be the first show after the thirtieth, because that's when it ends, and we'll have the data compiled by then. Yeah, that's even that was if the, it's that's on a point. regular, even if it's on a regular review episode, we can still do that in the well, middle I don't, of the show. I don't want to. I oh, don't want to because it's to. it's you gonna to it's. Wait. It's going to take a hot minute because we got a lot of entries, so I'm going to go through them. Um, I also okay. like I also like playing a game with the person that I'm doing it with, so you're not going to know what the top ten actually is. And Man, look at this. This is some bullshit. All right, that's fine. <laughs> this is how I like to do it. You just can do it with me. Good damn it. Uh, but yeah, it's um. It's uh, it's gonna be fun, guys. It'll be it'll be whatever. I was gonna say the reason I was saying this was that it's going to be the episode after the thirtieth that is an uninhibited. Yeah, that's how well, that's how 30th, we're gonna work it. The thirtieth is gonna be an uninhibited, so it'll be the thirteenth of September. I need to go back through the rules because I can't remember what date it actually ends. But I the, think it's the, it, the, it, the last ends, day of August. It ends the last day of August. That's right, because Labor Day is the second, and that's technically the last day. So so you said the 30th isn't uninhibited? Yeah. Or, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, shit. That's, yeah. We might do it as a special bonus episode. Who knows? That's we'll, honestly we'll, what I'm thinking. Like, We'll discuss it. We'll figure it out off air. Yeah. Might just be a Tell yeah. Might what? just be a special thing. Since since it was here, here we go. You know we got social media platforms. We've got a Discord server which a few people have joined. You know we got about twenty people in there now. That's cool. Uh, we've got our Twitter uh, account which is at Cued Up Podcast. We've got our Instagram which is all Cued Up Podcast with an underscore between each word. Uh, we've got our Facebook discussion page. We got our Facebook regular all queued up Facebook page, uh, where you can follow show news. If you guys want a bonus episode for our giveaway, instead of having to wait two whole weeks for it to come out, let us know. We get a couple of people let us know, you know, we'll do it, but you gotta yeah. let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll definitely try to get something done so that way we can have an uninhibited shortly before, after, during. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, guys, again, stick to the social medias, like Josh said. Uh, our Twitter, which is at all queued up pod, uh, no, it's queued up podcast. Him, I just told him where everything was. You did? Sorry. I did. What? Oh my God. You, you playing video games again? No, no, no. Uh, I was honestly, I was honestly looking at my phone, trying to figure out dates and uh, trying to get the websites back up because I didn't have them. I didn't have them bookmarked, <laughs> so I was trying to get that done. So I wasn't listening to you. Uh, I figured you're just giving them information, and I should have uh, assumed you gave them the information to the <laughs> to the well, social media. Uh, you go, you go back and stare at your phone. I'll give them some more information. Go ahead. Uh, come back in two weeks, everybody. We're going to be covering two new shows. One is an Amazon Prime original called Carnival Row, 
uh, starring Orlando Bloom. And it looks pretty interesting. But uh, one that I'm really excited for, and I can't speak for Greg, but I know I am super excited about. I've been looking forward for this for two years now since they first announced it. Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. It drops next week. We are going to cover it on the first episode in September. Um, so come back on the, come back for that. Watch those and come back and listen to the review. It's going to be a good time. I'm really excited. Uh, but yeah, that's the next two things we're covering. Uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about both. I need to rewatch Dark Crystal. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Um, it and I is wanna... on Netflix. You need to go watch it. However, it is important to understand that this show is, uh, it's a prequel to the movie. So you technically don't have to watch the movie? No, you technically have to watch the movie. I said you technically don't have to in a, in a tone saying that we should, <laughs> that you should. Um, I, mean, uh, I watched Josh, it the other day. Uh, I've been busy, sir. Been busy too. Still watched it. You know, you know what? I'm canceling the podcast. There you go. There it is. There you go. I hope you're happy. And goal accomplished yet again. <laughs> um, and Carnival Row looks a lot of fun. Carnival Row, Jesus Christ, Carnival. But also drinking. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun, guys. Uh, both shows look interesting. Um. This actually, both shows being out when they're out and when we record is actually kind of a blessing in disguise because it means I can catch up on other things I'd be wanting to do, like One Punch Man. Um, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a time crunch because we're going to have to watch two complete seasons of stuff in five days. I'm significantly happy that I have Monday and Tuesday completely off. Yeah. Anywho, anywho. Um, yeah, guys, so join us again. Join us next week when we do Uninhibited. We might try to figure out a way to, to do Uninhibited maybe like a day late so that way we can do uh, the Summer Movie Wager. Um, I'll see what I can do with that because I believe tech, I believe the this weekend counts. This or that, weekend sorry, counts. Not this weekend, but next weekend counts. Uh, like I said, I have to double check. I have to double check. but Double check, and if next weekend doesn't count, then we'll just do it next week. Yeah, we might have like a late, a late uninhibited, so that way we can record later and get the episode out. But yeah, guys, it'll be fun. And isn't there like a prize involved? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, again, guys, I was looking at my phone trying to figure out stuff instead of listening to Josh. So there's that. That that that, that, that it is why it's called a giveaway. I mean, <laughs> giving away. Le it's less. Shirt. It's less. It's less that it's called a giveaway, and more of a Greg wasn't fucking paying attention, which is the story of my life with ADD and all that jazz. So there's that. I have ADD, sure. Josh. I don't know if you heard about that. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> anyway, guys, appreciate you guys being here. Uh, go follow us on everything. Come talk to us. Let us know what you like about the show, and we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>